You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. Today on the ZabeCast, Alex Smith comes to Washington. We've gone from Kirk to older Kirk. RG3 is still alive. That's the good news. The bad news is he's petty, delusional, and bored. Drew Olson breaks down the Brewers' big moves to bring in Yelich and Kane. Badger basketball's taking a huge dump, and Drew's fucked that guy for the week. All that plus flamethrowers and private tunnels. You got an hour to kill, then buckle up and let's go! Man, oh man, is it cold here in Minneapolis. Welcome to the ZabeCast for Thursday, February 1st, 2018. Tomorrow is Groundhog Day and we'll see about old Punxsutawney Phil and whether he sees his shadow. You are looking live at my hotel room here uh, in Minnesota, just outside the airport for Super Bowl 52. And I apologize that the audio, the sound quality, the sound quality is clear. The acoustics, that's what I mean to say. The acoustics of this room are, eh, not so great. A lot of hard walls. You can probably hear the echo to it. And I don't know why it is, but I just, every one of these podcasts I do, I'm just trying to give you guys the best quality sound as possible. I want to give you good content, of course, as well. Content is king. I've got to talk about things that are interesting enough to keep you listening and coming back and telling two friends about this, but I do try to make it as good a quality as possible. I also want to apologize on some of my guest spots, like Jay this week. His levels, when it when I listened to it, they were not good. They were too low, and I could have sworn listening in my headphones when I was setting up the remote that, okay, we're good to go. I can hear him. He can hear me. We're nice and level. And I'm sure you're going to go, uh, don't, don't they have like a meter that shows the levels in terms of lights and a, or a needle or something? Uh, yeah, they do, but it, it's harder than you might think. So bear with me on that. I will get it pinned down, and we're going to get the audio to be mwah, as good as any podcast out there. That's my promise to you. As you know... Alex Smith is coming to Washington. This trade that happened on Wednesday night was a bombshell. Tuesday night, as a matter of fact. Today is Thursday. It was one of those gobsmack moments where as a fan, and certainly somebody who talks on the radio for a living, when you see it, you just sit there in stunned silence 
for a minute or two thinking, wow, wow, this is really happening. Came totally out of the blue. I was watching the replay of the last time the Eagles and Patriots played in the, played in the Super Bowl, which is 2004, Jacksonville. That would be your McNabb, Terrell Owens Super Bowl. They're replaying it. By the way, I had forgotten entirely that Troy Aikman shared analyst duties with Chris Collinsworth alongside Joe Buck as part of the Fox booth. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. So I'm watching the game, and then all of a sudden, boom, breaking news. They cut in. Alex Smith has been traded. Excuse my voice. Alex Smith has been traded to the Redskins for a third-round pick and a player to be named later. Wow. Oh, wow. And now my head is starting to spin. It had ruined my Tuesday night plans because I just wanted to get to bed early so I could wake up for my flight and be reasonably rested. So I was ready to power it down by 10 p.m. And all of a sudden, this thing hits. And my adrenaline is going. My heart rate is elevated. I've got that news rush uh, going on. And my head is spinning with the possibilities. And of course, I can't sleep now. And more things happen after that because as soon as they announce the trade, they announce the fact that he's going to get a contract extension. They then announce the player to be named later as Kendall Fuller, a very good young slot cornerback who could play outside for the Chiefs. And Fuller goes on Twitter to go, it's all right, y'all. It's not me. Don't worry. And then he finds out, yes, it is me. I'm the player to be named later. I guess I'm going to Kansas City. Awkward, to say the least. What's my net-net take on the trade? I said this yesterday on my local show in D.C. I'll say it here on the podcast. It's a good minus move. It's a move that says, okay, we can have a season next year. Alex Smith is a competent starting quarterback in the NFL. We can have a season. We can try to make a run for it. But he's not necessarily better than Kirk Cousins. In some ways, he might be. He looks a bit more athletic to me. He looks a bit bigger muscle-wise in the upper body than Kirk. Arm strength is probably about a wash. Neither one has superior arm strength. Uh, Kirk has run for a bunch of touchdowns the last three years, but they're not dynamic rushes. Alex Smith can really move. He's got incredible wheels. He's a more fluid runner and a, and a more true dual-threat dual quarterback. But it's basically the same guy. And it's like Kirk, and then we've traded for older Kirk. And so what are we doing here? Well, we're going to try to make the playoffs with older Kirk and then maybe go far in the playoffs. Ha, ha, ha. Well, you do know that uh, Alex Smith doesn't take teams far in the playoffs. Has a 2-5 and five career record uh, in the postseason. Yes, I'm aware of that. But this was the only move I think that Bruce Allen, the team president, can make to basically salvage a bad situation that had been mostly, almost entirely, his own making. His making and the team's making for not getting ahead of the Kirk Cousins contract. Of course, it's not like nobody told them this was going to be the dynamic that would unfold. A lot of us did. A lot of us who are presumably not as smart in terms of football operations and contracts by saying, once you tag Kirk Cousins... You may never be able to untag him. You may never get out of it. You may setting your you may be setting yourself up to get trapped in the deal, which, by the way, they did. And which, by the way, if other players around the league are taking notes, 
they should think long and hard about saying, oh, you want to tag me with a franchise tag? Bring it on. Come on. Bring it on. I love it. Bring it on. Tag me. Because once you tag me once, you'll have to tag me again. And then it's 20% more. And then you'll think about tagging me a third time. Of course, the big difference with Kirk and other players is that quarterbacks are the most precious thing on a football field. Running backs, wideouts, linemen, whoever. Not so much. The next test case on this is going to be Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell's coming off a one-year franchise tag season. And he has said if he gets tagged again, he might retire. He wants a long-term deal. He wants the big guaranteed signing bonus. We'll see if he gets it. All right, let's uh, pivot to this. Don't know if everyone saw this or not. You probably didn't. Maybe you did. Robert Griffin III, the quarterback who was drafted the same year as Kirk Cousins in Washington, but was the guy the Redskins mortgaged so much of their assets to go get. He tweeted on the night of the trade on Tuesday night. Robert still tweets quite a bit. And he tweeted, and I'll just paraphrase here, somehow they're going to come back and blame this on me somehow. And then he included the hands in the air shrugging emoji. Are you fucking kidding me? People reacted to this tweet the way you expected they would, which is to basically bombard him with, just shut up. Shut the fuck up. What are you talking about? They're going to blame you. They're going to blame you for what? Bringing Alex Smith in and then letting Kirk walk in free agency? Oh, my God. Get over it, man. It's not about you. But in, in Robert world, it's always about him. And that's part of the reason why he's unemployed in the NFL. Whether or not he can play quarterback at a high level, he also operates mentally and emotionally in a way that teams look at and they go, oh, geez, no way. We cannot have this guy leading our team. So that tweet was something that was just amazing to behold because I saw it and I said, now there's a guy. I'm not a certified mental health professional, but there's a guy that needs a therapist. But I get it with, with Robert in this regard. Robert Griffin III is dealing with the fact that he was once the NFL Rookie of the Year. He was one of the rising young stars of the league. And his future was unbelievably bright. And he was playing a game that he loved and has played for years since he was just a little kid. He was very good at it, and the world was his. And then through a series of events, knee injury, poor play, change of coaches, change of team, suddenly he finds himself completely out in the cold and completely without anything to do, basically. What can Robert Griffin III do? We were talking at dinner last night, me and Doc Walker and our program director at 980 CJ and Scott Jackson, we were we were just kind of saying, well, what would what would you do if you were Robert? And I said, well, he just he needs to shut up and go find a place to play and show that he can still play a bit. And I said, you know, someplace like the CFL or maybe the, um, and then Doc jumps in, the CFL. And I said, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess, 
I guess the CFL is the only place. The, the joke, and it's not really that much of a joke, is that if the XFL were to ramp up soon enough, which it won't because it's not scheduled to start for two years, but the XFL wouldn't be the worst place in the world for Robert Griffin III to launch a comeback. I mean, it's football. Who knows what quality it'll be, but it's outdoor, full-field tackle football. And so we were talking about, man, if they get RG3, Kaepernick, Tim Tebow, and Johnny Manziel, now you've got four quarterbacks out of the eight-team league that could draw some attention. Of course, the problem is Vince McMahon, I think, wants no part of Colin Kaepernick. He's pretty much made that clear. And Johnny Manziel has a criminal background, and Vince said anyone with a criminal background is not ready or is not welcomed in the new XFL. I think he should rethink that. But back to Robert. He does need to find a place to do. He needs to find something to do. We also talked at dinner last night about how, you know, Robert can't even go back to Baylor. Like, as the Heisman Trophy winner who set records at a D1 football program in college, you could maybe go back to that program and do something with them or for them, be on their radio team if you're not going to play or whatever. But the problem with Baylor is Baylor and their football program, not only do they suck now in the wake of all of the horrendous expose of the cover-up of sexual assaults, but basically, aside from the hardcore football fans down at Baylor, the program is tarnished. It's burned to the ground. It's rape university. So Robert doesn't even have a soft landing spot to go back there. Maybe he'd get on ESPN to be another talking head about college football because he was good in college and he was good for a year in the pros. But what's he going to do? I understand the insecurity. I understand how traumatizing that can be just in terms of I was once the shit and now I am shit. Literal shit. Like, nobody gives a shit about me. What do I do? And when you put a phone with a Twitter account in the hands of a guy who, I guess Robert would not be a millennial. He would be Generation Z or something like that. My daughter, uh, Megan, always says, Dad, I'm not I'm not a millennial. Because I'll say, uh, typical millennial. I'll, I'll be like, Megan, don't roll your eyes at me like a millennial. Dad, I'm not. And then she'll roll her eyes and say, I'm not a millennial. Of course, I have all the same insecurities, fears, doubts, shame, jealousy that Robert Griffin III does, and everyone does. Because I know when I come to Super Bowl week every year and I go to Radio Row, I'm excited for the trip because it's usually a fun junket. I mean, it is a fun junket. I'm very lucky. Very lucky my company sends me. I mean, a lot of radio stations aren't sending their guys. Several... I, you know, Philadelphia, the radio state, one of the two sports stations in Philly did not send every one of their shows. That's unheard of for Radio Row from where it would have been 5, 10, 15 years ago. So I'm very lucky to be here and I enjoy the trip, but there's always that first feeling of, oh God, here I go. Here I come on Radio Row and I start to see all the people and I'm like, God, I'm just, I'm just a schlub like the rest of these people here because we as radio personalities are technically famous did you hear my air quotes here on that we are technically famous and 
we like to think we're a big shot in our own local markets, whether it's New York City, market number one, or Loxahatchee, Louisiana, market number 239. Don't quote me on that. I'm not even sure if Loxahatchee is a city. I'm not even sure it's in Louisiana. It might be Florida, whatever. You get my point. We're big deals back home, and then we get to Radio Row, and now we're sequestered in this convention hall or some pen of people just like us. And we're kind of like, huh? Those same feelings of insecurity. Someday, when I'm out of radio and I don't have any jobs left, other than this podcast, which will be paying me $6.95 an hour, then I'll feel really insecure. Maybe that's when I'll tweet out, like Robert Griffin III, eh, you find a way to blame this on me, I suppose. That said, it's great to be in the mall, and I'm looking forward to going there today. Quick programming note here for the Zabecast. Today on the show, we have got Drew Olson. I taped my weekly visit with Drew from the Big 920 in Milwaukee on Tuesday. Actually, on Monday. Monday? Tuesday. Tuesday. And then I held it because... Actually, no, I taped it Monday. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I taped it early in the week. Talked about the Brewers and the recent acquisitions. Some other items that have kind of passed the news cycle. Just bear with me on that. I wanted to get Drew on record, get him on the, in the can, get him for the week. Um, so you're going to hear from him today on the Zabecast. Tomorrow is going to be a show that, a Zabecast, that I hope to have two or three shorter interviews with some people of note from Radio Row where I can hopefully get away where it's somewhat quiet so I can get decent audio and talk about something that's interesting. Here is my honest-to-truth biggest dilemma about who to grab for the Zabecast for Friday's show. My biggest dilemma is, oh God, what, what do my listeners want to hear? Who do they want to hear? Because I could literally get almost anybody. I mean, no, not necessarily. I could get an athlete. I could get a player who's in the league probably who is current and might be interesting. And it might be a great interview, might not. I could get a former retired player who might be of interest, might not. I could get somebody who's an interesting media member or a good talker or somebody who knows how to break down film on the game and what are they going to see. I'm like, ah, I don't know what people want. And don't tell me what you want. Well, you can tell me, but I think I'm now becoming more and more paralyzed by, oh, somebody said more of this, less of that. Ooh, but this guy said less of that and more of this. I'll do my best to get somebody or a few people that are interesting and fun, and we have a nice, quiet area to record the Zabecast. And now, our friend... Hi, joining me as always on Tuesdays, he is Drew Olson from the Big 920 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where Drew, the Brewers are in the game. As Costanza once said when he got a wig, I'm a player now, Jerry. I'm a player. <laughs> How I'm about that? I mean, tell me, were you surprised by these two big moves, the trade for Yelich and then bringing Lorenzo Cain back? Uh, no and yes. The trade okay. for Yelich made sense, and that wasn't a surprise. The Brewers have a pretty strong farm system. They were able to go get a guy who fits the mold of a guy the Brewers would get. Five years of control, reasonable contract from Miami. Yelich so, makes what? He's got four years, $35 million, like seven per for the next four? Or that's thereabouts. about average annual value, yeah. It's, I believe that's called a bargain 
in yeah. baseball for he's, a guy of his caliber, right? I, I think so. All-star caliber, gold glove caliber, athletic, the guy, the kind of guy the Brewers covet. But what surprised me was then the 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 back end of the one-two punch. They went and signed Lorenzo Cain, a 32-year-old center fielder who they had, who they right. developed, drafted and developed and traded as part of the Zach Greinke trade. Getting him was the shocker. And it's like now they have a, a, a whole cache of outfielders, and there are way too many outfielders. Interesting. Okay, so now there's going to be a problem with, okay, what do you do with all the guys? They would love to move Braun, right? And that contract? I think, I think potentially. I mean, there's still some pull that he could be productive. He was kind of hurt last year. There's still still some thought. There's thought of him moving to first base. Okay, but seriously, if someone came knocking and asking, are you? would you part with Braun, the team would trip over the phone cord saying yes, wouldn't they? Yes and no. Like the, the idea of it would be great, but they're not. They're not inclined to just give him away because even though he makes a lot of money, it's what's not his crippling. salary? What's Braun's it's, salary? It's, moving forward, he's got like you know four years and eighty million left or something. So it's like 20, <laughs> 20 mil. Like you know, average. I love. I love how Drew. We could talk now in today's day and age. Twenty million, but not crippling. Exactly. Well, for a team that had the lowest payroll in ball last year, basically well, he was true. he was a big chunk of it, but. But I spend I ha- the money. But you say crippling. I, I have yet to see a major league franchise actually fold up and stop doing business. I've yet to see a major league franchise get relegated to AAA. <laughs> exactly. So crippling, you know, there's nothing that really – it sucks having to pay that money, but it's never truly, really crippling. So, all right, so no one's going to come call. So Braun's going to be still there. What do you do now? Like, what is the best lineup defensively? To get all those bodies on the field. Well, if you play Braun in left field, which you know I, I would assume they will, and then you play Lorenzo Cain in center and Yelich in right, and then you have at your disposal a 30 home run guy, Domingo Santana, who I think will be traded. You have Keon Broxton, who could be your fourth outfielder, and uh, Brett Phillips, who is uh, a, a kind of a Christian Yelich in waiting. Okay. So that you know, that's where the surplus comes in. Now you could trade Domingo Santana and get. Uh, pitching because they need a they need a starting pitcher. They, if they right. sign a pitcher, if they sign a pitcher like a U Darvish or a Lance Lynn or some, any of the pitchers out there at Pitchers R Us, they could trade one of the surplus outfielders and restock the farm system because they just got rid of some guys. So they're in a really good position. People say, oh, they got too many outfielders. What the hell? And I'm like, hey, having good players in any configuration is never a problem. It's an opportunity. Right, because you're going to find a spot. And by the way, someone's going to get hurt. Right. Someone's going to be in a slump. Someone's going to need to be a pinch hitter if you need them. So might as well have one too many. If you had five too many, then no, you've built your team wrong. But it's just one too many right now. Yeah, I mean, well, pretty much, yeah. How juicy was the prospects given up for Yelich? Four um, guys, including your top prospect? You know, yeah, Lewis Brinson is a guy that people like. There were a couple guys. Isan Diaz was a – but they have a shortstop that they think is going to be their shortstop for the next seven or eight years in Orlando Arcia, so they could trade Diaz. And he even, might even project as a second baseman. You know, Zabe, I always say the word prospect yeah. comes from the Latin, prospecto, which means hasn't done shit in the major leagues yet. <laughs> That's not Latin for prospecto, my friend. I looked it up. Okay. But, but it's it, close, though. It's I see close. what you're saying. Prospecto, whatever it is, but it's from the Latin. And it's I'm, I'm telling you, people, ah, oh, man, the seam heads and the people who are, everybody's in analytics now and everybody is a wannabe Ivy League GM. Yeah. And prospects are like Bitcoin. Like, can't give a prospects. Can't give a prospects. Got to get prospects. Got to hoard prospects. And right, know, the there's reason- a worship of prospects that goes yes. beyond all reason. In which you yes. you sound dumb if you are willing to give up I, a prospect. Like, what are you, some old school dummy that just wants a ready made player? Well, I don't know. I want a guy that can play. 
Here's the thing. Lewis Brinson, he's you know, early 20s, stud, athletic. It looks like he could be good. You hope that he can be as good as Lorenzo Cain has been. Now, now granted, they're getting Lorenzo Cain kind of on the backslide of his career, but Kristen Yelich is at the peak of his powers. Yeah. And you hope Lewis Brinson can be that good, but it's a crapshoot, and it's uh, probably safe to bet the under Who when is it comes the... to prospects. So you have two outfielders now, sure. and the thing is, Lewis Brinson you'd have for five years. You got Kristen Yelich for five years and now Lorenzo Cain for five years. Who was the uh, slugger you guys shipped out and brought back? You went to the Padres, and I think on the second go-round with you guys, he really wasn't much. Second go-round Second go-round with the Padres. You guys you guys got rid of him, and then he came back, and he was just mad the second time around. Somebody, somebody, uh, somebody listening on the podcast yeah. will email me, and we'll get that mopped up next week. So this kid who's running the team now, this 30-year-old, right? 30? He's, uh, yeah, early 30s, yeah. Early 30s. What's his name again? David Stearns. David Stearns. No relation to David Stern. David Stearns. Yes. He is part of the new generation of analytic young whiz kids, right? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. came from Houston. He was an assistant GM Oh, that's Houston. right. That's yeah. right. Okay. And uh, what do you know about him otherwise? Have you met him? Uh, yeah. Really good him? guy. Smart. Okay. Really sharp. He's, you know, you... You could kind of, he just exudes this, hey, we know what we're doing. And so far, I mean, they took a, a an undersourced team last year and they, they, they won 86 games. They, they shocked the world. Yeah. And, then, and then now they've jump-started it and now it looks like they're pushing their chips to the middle of the table. But the thing is, it's not like an all-in, hey, we got to win this year proposition. It seems like this is the beginning of maybe a four or five-year window where they could be competitive because that's how it works in markets like ours in Milwaukee where in Kansas City, you, you can build a team. You got to have a good flow of talent, and then you use you know that that farm system like they just did to get other pieces, and then you'd be good for four or five years, and then you got to kind of reload. You guys are markets like yours are like insurgent armies. You have to lay low, lay low, lay low, lay low. Wham! Sneak attack. Yep. Like you've got to wait for just the right moment as the wagon train comes by with all your soldiers there ready to ambush. Because you can't do it every year. You just can't carry a payroll of $240 million. Not going to happen. No, no. Okay. That, and they'll, they'll never be able to shop at that. And it's funny because they, they say that they're in on you, Darvish. I don't think he'll come to Milwaukee, but they could go get a Lance Lynn or something. They have to do the, the money ball, dumpster dive, undervalued asset type guys. But if you can draft and develop your own guys and maybe splurge on an international signing once in a while, that's the ticket. What, should I do the quasi-racist, cliched, what are the good sushi joints in Milwaukee for you? <laughs> hey, oh, we, boom. We've had history here. We had Hideo Nomo here for a couple years at, at one point. Uh, okay, we had good. Uh, Nori Aoki. We've had Japanese players here. And actually, they kind of like it because it's a low-key market. It's It's, you know, there aren't a lot of Japanese Americans in Milwaukee that would bother I think, them. Well, you know? and, and the Japanese baseball press is relentless. Are they not? It is. Absolutely. W- wasn't there like a bounty on some Japanese photog getting a picture of Ichiro's dick when he was in Seattle and the, the scrutiny on him was just immense. Yeah. Those guys, even when like say it's spring training and he's got the day off, they have to write a story and they have to come up with, you know, a two and a half minute TV story of something. Right. So they have to like, hey, he stretched today. Yeah. <laughs> he was in the hot tub today. They have to like, they have to chronicle it. Those guys are really under the microscope. MLB.com does not have the dates for the World Series, so I can't tell you and other Brewer fans to block out your calendar. Sorry about that. You'll have, well, to, you'll have to figure for the last week of October. Yeah, Just keep hope- that clear. No weddings. 
The hope no around nothing. here is just that they're playing meaningful games in September. That'd be nice. Hey, and they, they just signed another reliever yesterday from your neck of the woods, Matt Albers. Yes, Matt Albers. Nice signing. Nice economical signing. Two he years, was a good five component million. That's guy. couch cushion money. Come on. <laughs> exactly. Meanwhile, up there in Wisconsin, the Badgers, who have long been really, really good at basketball, suck now. How's that playing? It's uh, it's not. The natives are getting restless. They're wondering if Greg Gard is uh, is the guy. Even though last year coach. he was all the talk. Yeah, he, he's, he, he can coach. He just They've had a confluence of things, and they lost this kid, Tyler Hero, from Whitnall High School, not far from where I am at the iHeart Milwaukee Megaplex. Ding, ding, ding. He, um, he is a top-flight recruit who committed to them and then changed his mind and went to Kentucky after a good summer of health. Um, okay. He's going to Kentucky, so he kind of blew them off, so that left a hole. And they've had a couple of their, their best ball-handling point guards are both hurt and basically out for the season. It's been tough, man. No, no one's used to this. They've had a what a nineteen year run of making the tournament. That's almost unheard of. Even that, even Duke and North Carolina can't really. Uh, Kentucky as well. I think Kentucky missed a couple years along that nineteen year stretch. Yeah, so they've been to what four straight Sweet Sixteens, I think. So it's it's a culture shock. And the thing is, if we're having this conversation a year from now, then the drums will be beating even more. It's just a it's a setback year, and no one likes it. It's a bitter pill to not have relevant hoops and think about the tournament. Now it's yeah. They're not even going to the NIT. Like 20, not, uh, 27 and 10 last year under guard and went to the Sweet 16. Sweet 16 the year before that, the year that Bo Ryan ducked out after, what, a week or a month of the season? Yeah. So there's that. And then you look at the list of seasons, uh, Final Four runner-up, Final Four, first-round exit, Sweet 16, Sweet 16, second-round, second-round, Sweet 16, second-round, first-round, Elite Eight, second-round, Sweet 16, second-round. You guys have won at least one game in the tournament going all the way back to 0102 when Bo Ryan took over after Dick Bennett left and Brad Soderberg was the yeah, interim the little interim thing yeah so it's been an incredible run it's a culture shock people aren't used to it yeah, and the like, football program was knocking on the door of going to the college football playoffs so there is an air of uh, there's expectation and entitlement runs amok in Madison and Wisconsin. I know this, uh, my boys Gitter and Theat and O'Neill. There, whenever we go to Vegas in the in March for March Madness for Zabe Vegas Sweet Sixteen, we're always dancing around. When are the Badgers on? When are you know? Are we going to be golfing at that time? Are we not going to be golfing at that time? Where where are we going to watch the game? We always have to dance around that. It's going to be weird this year, just with nothing going on. It, uh, and it's a culture shock much akin to the Packers not being in the playoffs in our neighborhood. That's it's just like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's There's been a withdrawal period. It's very weird. All right, let's talk Tom Brady and this Facebook watch show of his, Tom versus Time. I'm sure you've heard of this kerfuffle by now, probably talked about it on your show. Here was Dan Patrick laying out this controversy on his show with some sound bites from WEEI which is the station that has Tom Brady as a guest contributor each week. He usually does an interview on WEI every Monday, and uh, this is what one of the hosts, this is the day before where one of the hosts talks about the, the uh, documentary Tom versus Time, and uh, listen to the end part. This is uh, Alex Reamer, I believe, the host of this, who comments on Tom Brady's daughter. Uh, what'd you think? It was fine. <laughs> it was okay. Uh, Just fine? Come on. All right, I thought the first scene was so staged, where Brady's, like, in the kitchen, his kids being an annoying little pissant, like... No oh boy. <laughs> All right, let's stop right there, Drew. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, how agree... What was the foul committed by this guy, Reamers, who has been suspended, at least for this week? Who knows if he'll stay on the station. 
on a scale of one to ten, well, actually, what what was the foul? The word pissant. Yes. So the, the what have you said, Brad? Uh, is less egregious. Is it enough to suspend? Um, well, here's the thing: at any other radio station in any other market, no big deal, no harm, no foul. But because a, Brady a is on that station, but because Tom Brady is on your station, and you just extended your rights deal with the Patriots, that was not the most. Uh, no. w- that was not the wisest comment. You have to consider, like, I'm sure. Hey, you work in a situation. The Redskins are, you know, on your air partners, right? And you, but you, you, there's a line there that you wouldn't cross. But not that you have to temper your opinions in any way or anything. And you can put them on blast if you want to. But there's a personal line. There's the. Why are you picking on somebody's five-year-old daughter? This guy's probably not a Was father. it picking on, or was it just say, like, is pissant just a different word for brat? Like, I'm convinced now hearing this, if he had said she's being a brat, it's it washes under the bridge. Because then, yeah. then Tom Brady, by taking umbrage, would say, well, my kids are perfect. Pissant is they're a never, word that's, it's they're, not in the lexicon anymore. It sounds worse than it is. You're right. It's, it's a synonym for brat, but it sounds dirty and vulgar. Right. And if Brady would object to somebody saying, I watched the first episode and this kid was being a brat, then I don't know if he could come off all high and mighty like, well, my kid's perfect. He's never a brat, or she is never a brat. Uh, A pissant, insignificant, or contemptible person or thing. Other word is, or other definition is worthless and contemptible. So a a little bit stronger than just brat. It is, Drew, as you say, a mid-17th century term. <laughs> yes, from the mid-17th yes. century. is a pissant. Okay, so so Brady then takes it out on the rest of the station by cutting his interview short to let them know he didn't appreciate it. Here's the back end of it. All right, so he's talking about, you know, Tom's got a five-year-old daughter. Now, here's Brady responding this morning on WEEI to uh, what was said over the weekend. You know, I don't, um, I, yeah, I do want to say something. I mean, I don't want to get into the documentary much, but I did, you know, I, Stacey had told me that someone had made a comment about my daughter or something yes, like that. Yes, yeah, you, um, Tom, we were just talking about, it was Alex Reamer and you are, you can, we, Jerry and I talked about it Friday, it was stupid thing to say we destroyed boy say hello to the bus wheels right oh yeah it was yeah. alex reamer he lives at one two three melody lane he's not on the show <laughs> i'll give you his phone you number you, you can say whatever you'd like go ahead well i think that um you know i've tried to come on this show for many years with um and showed you guys a lot of respect um i've always tried to come on and you know, do a good job for you guys. So, um, you know, it's very disappointing when you hear that, certainly with my daughter or any child, um, you know, they certainly don't deserve that. So, oh, no, no, Tom, um, no, no, no question. As as I said, Jerry, Jerry and I talked about it on Friday, stupid thing to say he was suspended for it. He should be. There are certain things I think you understand as a professional athlete, you're going to be criticized for what you do or on or off the field as an individual. Blah, blah. But for a kid to be... By the way, he's va- <laughs> he's vamping right now to save it, isn't he? Yeah. He's like, okay, it's almost like so... almost like a suicide hotline. Don't let him hang up. So Don't let him Eagles. hang up. Right, <laughs> yeah, hey. Transition there. Yeah, that guy's a prong. Hey, Block and Chris Long, you know, used to be on your team, I hear. Being criticized is is unbelievably stupid. There's, there's no defense for it. Yeah, so um, all... 
obviously evaluate whether I want to come on this show again. So I, I really don't have much to say this morning. That's fine. Um, I understand uh, that. No, that's fine. That's great. That's no, just get oh, back to on. us. Just get back to it's us. Totally fine. I will. Uh, maybe I'll speak with you guys uh, some other time. Absolutely fine. We understand. All right, Tom. You too. Oh wow. Well, Judge Olson, what do you say? Um, they were, you know, he's the meal ticket. That's part of the deal. I didn't realize it was part of their rights deal that Belichick and Brady have to appear on the station. I did not know that. That is, that's baked in. How do you in. know all this? I saw that in a, in a account somewhere that it's baked okay. in that part of their deal is that, yeah, Brady's on twice a week. I think they get him Monday and Friday. And, you know. But Brady gets paid separately for this appearance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what do you think that fee is? Because he's sure. one of the top five athletes in the world. Like, it's, he has a Q rating worldwide. No doubt. No even, doubt. And even though we're the only country that plays professional tackle football, he still is the face of the NFL. And so this is a huge get, whether it's baked into the right deal or not. You can't fuck this up. Yeah, and that's the thing. And it's part of their – they just signed an extension. And I don't know if there's an out clause or anything. And, and it works both ways. If Tom Brady um, were in a domestic abuse or a DUI or something, they could – dump him like you know they, i'm sure they could you know Wouldn't how that, that works be great by the way no, people have i'm been not i'm not for cheer- that forever come on come on for him to step I in don't want- somehow some way say something stupid yes. or i would never want perfect would never want the girl from ipanema to uh suffer a scratch uh on any hair on her body uh but uh if it were to happen to brady there would be a certain element of nelson muncie uh-huh. Yeah, no, no. There's no doubt. There's a okay. shot in front of people. He's been built up, but that for that station. And again, any other market it was the kid annoying. I didn't really watch the clip. I don't care to. I'm I I'm, well. See, now I'm going to watch these episodes because it's part of you know. I, I think it, I think you just have to for the record. And I think it's there's fertile ground for sports talk radio. I always look for things where ooh, what's going to be a good gold mine for sports talk radio? Tom's little Facebook documentary has got some stuff in it, but it's all staged is the thing. And here's the other part that cuts against his haughtiness. You're putting your kids in this show. It doesn't mean that they should get ruthlessly clowned on as a booger-eating, loser, dim-witted child who is going to grow up to be on a silver stripper pole. No one's (laughs) saying that. But as a casual aside, hey, the kid was being a brat which is yeah. kind of what pissant is. You put them there. You put them there. You put them in it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like We've been doing this, and you can't even compare our universe to Tom Brady's, but I I don't mention my daughter's name on the air. For years, I called her the Sprout when she was a little kid. You know. Yeah, I, I rarely mention mine I, I, either. Because she didn't and sign I up for this, and I, you know, yeah. I don't want to open that, that door. And like, How about radio you know? personalities that put their kids on Twitter pictures with them? Uh, How insane you know, is that? I don't understand that at yeah, all. Yeah, they didn't sign up for this, so I'm, I, I, I've never played that card. Now, I'm not a freak, and there are people who don't put pictures of your kids on the internet because somebody's going to come snatch them away. You know? Yeah, and, I know. There, there's a little bit of an element of that. that but I'm There's like, a lot of easier kids to grab than ours. Yeah, exactly. Sorry to be crude about that, but yeah, there's playgrounds full of them. I'm just exactly. kidding. I'm just kidding, kidding, everybody. Just kidding. Jesus. Just kidding. He's not advocating. Settle but the fuck down. It's I, a podcast I for just, people. Um, yeah, but you know, if you're going to put them in there, they, you open to an element that but like, this is much ado and i just feel sorry that the idiot he used that one word you're right if he had said brat and she was being bratty or difficult 
or having yeah, a moment or, you know, or need just, of a timeout. But you got to know where your check comes from, man. EEI, True. the Patriots, you got to know that it, this this happened right after they signed the extension to get the deal. And, I know, but know, here's and, what's here's what's remarkable to me. I actually uh, I put on my phone the EEI app so I could just keep a listen to the station this week leading up to the game. And I heard, I believe she's from your area, Trenny Kisnerick. Yeah, Trenny. She's yeah. going to be on my show this week. Yeah, yeah. Trenny does a weekend show. She's great. And she was doing it with some other writer. And they were talking openly about things such as Alex Guerrero is a total quack and a bad person for selling people green juice when they're dying of cancer. Talked openly about, gee, you know, what are the chances that Tom Brady's another Lance Armstrong who was doping right beneath our eyes, and we just didn't want to believe it. Yeah. And so they talked about all these things, and my first thought was, damn, this is EEI. They've got Brady on once a week. I'm pretty impressed. Trenny's an outside contractor. She works at uh, NBC Network Boston. Okay, but still, there's no no producer. There's no PD. Like, stop, stop. That's Brady. We can't tread so lightly. That's the line you have to walk when when you're a rights holder. And, you know, just think of what Brady's meant to that station and the millions he's meant. My my point is that they were, on the one hand, talking openly about things that were not so flattering about Tom Brady, but the kid thing crossed the line. Yeah. And, and, uh, and most yeah. people would say, as it should, no kid should ever be called a pissant. Okay, Brett, tell me the list of words kids can be called. I know this. If somebody saw my kid acting up in a documentary that I sanctioned and they called my kid a pissant, I'd say, you have no idea. <laughs> like, seriously, that was a good day for her. She can be even worse oh, than that. All right, that funny. said, let's wrap this up here uh, because you've got to go, right? Yeah, I'm 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 in pretty good shape. Can you yeah. push your interview that we're uh, up hard against? No, they're about to call, so we're I'm okay. a couple minutes away. We got to wrap, yeah. Okay, so thirty second wrap. Yep. Okay, give me thirty seconds of brilliance on something, anything in the world of sports. Oh, I thought we were gonna do fuck that guy. No, never. Oh, mind. you want to do fuck that guy? All right. Well, no. Uh, okay, let's do that. Yeah, let's do that, and then let's just let them wait. But it, my fuck that guy last week was the everybody on Twitter. My, yeah. my fuck that guy this week, and you can put the sound effects in post is. I don't know fuck. if I can put the sound effects in post. Well, in fact, okay, but we had. Oh, I think I think segment. you should just here. I think you should just sit tight for two seconds here. Now, yeah. Now we talking, Drew. All right. Da, we da, had... da, hold on a second. Okay. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. The guy. <laughs> fuck that guy. <laughs> there you go. Fuck that guy. All right, your FTG for the week is. I just had, uh, we just had in Milwaukee, the Sixers were in town. Joel Embiid didn't play, but it's to trust the process. I'm going to say fuck the process because fuck the Genius Bar. I went in with my iPhone to get a new battery because I have an iPhone 6 and I don't feel like spending $1,000 for a new phone. They put out the word. I made the appointment to go to the Genius Bar a week in advance, went there, and they looked at my phone and said, yeah, you need a new battery. We'll order one up for you, and you can come back in a week, and we'll put it in, and it'll take two hours. Oh, my God. And that's what they're doing to people. You have you go in, you make the appointment. I'm like, I made an appointment to get the battery replaced, and you didn't have the You, you should have had the battery. It's like Seinfeld at the rental car counter. Fuck that process. Fuck them for making me go there twice <laughs> and just t- hoping that I'll buy Beats headphones or buy a router or something else. <laughs> You know, fuck the process for Apple. Like, go in there. Have a bunch of them because you're screwing people. I've been saying for years that every time they come out with a new iteration of the iPhone, mine starts to go kablooey. I download updates, and it gets slower, and it gets worse. Oh, they, they admitted that they slow down the processing to, quote, save battery life save as battery your battery life. cycles yeah. And diminish. so now, apparently, I'm going in today for the second time, and it's, so it's a two-trip thing. You know, you sit there for 20 days. Now, you can do the diagnostics over the phone, and then they'll order the battery for you, and you can go in and get it. 
but I didn't know this, and they don't make it apparent. And fuck the process. Fuck that guy. Fuck Apple and fuck the Genius Bar. Fuck the Genius Bar. Okay, this segment brought to you by the Apple Genius Bar, <laughs> where your needs will be met in swift fashion. Drew Olson of the Big 920 in Milwaukee, part of the big iHeart Empire up there. Tweet at Drew at... Drew Olson MKE. And unlike other people who say, don't at me, Drew loves it when you add him. At so. me away, baby. All right, Drew, we'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, Abe. Leave you with this today. Did you see where Elon Musk, the high-tech, SpaceX, Tesla CEO, has now come up with a flamethrower that he is going to sell for $500? Yes, a flamethrower. He put out a little viral video in which he said his company, this thing called the Boring Company, and boring is not for yawn boring. I think it's for tunneling. Elon Musk is, he wants to tunnel under major cities. He wants to build major tunnels to put roads and trains and transportation underneath cities. He's already done a test tunnel that's 30 feet wide, and I'm not sure how long it is, under Los Angeles. I don't know how you get permits, by the way, to dig a tunnel under things. If I owned a subway shop, if I owned a, a donut shop in L.A. and Elon Musk somehow got a permit to tunnel underneath me, I don't give a fuck how deep underneath he is, my donut shop. I would raise hell saying, no. Who knows what's going to happen to my donut shop with a tunnel underneath it. Anyway, Elon Musk put out this little viral video of his flamethrower, which... You hear Elon Musk is selling flamethrowers for $500. And your first reaction is, whoa, what? Get out of here. And then you see the flamethrower and you go, all right, it's not like a flamethrower that we saw in World War II, which while both one of the most awesome and frightening weapons ever invented, was also one of the most dangerous for the person operating the flamethrower as anyone who has seen uh, any war movie uh, knows firsthand. So it's a flame shooter kind of thing. Looks pretty cool. Guess what? Elon Musk got five, or no, he got 10,000 orders of the flamethrower within a day. And so at $500, that's five million or 50 million. Math is bad just to go with it. The money he raised, he said he's going to put back into his tunnel company to build more tunnels. Who knows what's legal in America anymore? Can you build a flamethrower and sell it over the internet? Uh, I guess so. Can you tunnel underneath somebody's donut shop and not have them be able to say, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want that going on? Apparently you can. And I guess Elon Musk is doing all of it. That'll do it for me today from my hotel room for the Zabecast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for bearing with me on audio issues and less than pristine non-studio quality interviews. I'll do my best to get a couple people interesting for the big game tomorrow on Friday's Zabecast. And we'll preview Patriots, Eagles, Super Bowl 52 from Minneapolis. Tell two friends, download, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and more. Have a great Thursday, and we will see you next time.